Welcome to the Crown City Podcast. I'm your host, James DePietro. This is a show that explores the people and places that make our neighborhoods our home. On this episode, I have a very special guest. Trayvon Saylor is the founder of Saylor's Brew Coffee, a brand created here in Pasadena to showcase the artistry and passion of finely roasted coffee that we often lose in an age of lattes and other additives that distract us from the beans flavors. Trayvon is a Pasadena native, having been born at Huntington Hospital and growing up in Altadena. He learned the value of hard work and the importance of family from his mother, stepfather, and grandparents. At John Muir High School, he joined the Business and Entrepreneurship Academy, which, as you will hear, was an instrumental part in developing his interest in business, and I'm glad to report that this program continues to teach students about business management, finance, accounting, and marketing. All set to attend Cal State Northridge for college, at the last minute, Trayvon's financial aid fell through. In what I can only describe as a courageous decision, and one that we should all be grateful for, he enlisted in the U.S. Army when he was 17. Trayvon served more than four years, rising to the rank of sergeant with the famed 82nd Airborne Division. And like his stepfather, he became a ranger and was deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. Upon his return, Trayvon continued his service here at home as a police officer with Pasadena PD, a position he held until December of last year when he decided to dedicate more time to his growing business and passion. Trayvon started drinking coffee when he was 12. He would grab a cup before school from George's Drive-In Liquor on the corner of Lincoln Avenue and Altadena Drive. But it wasn't until 2018 when Trayvon began visiting his friend and coast-to-coast coffee roaster owner, Kip Broloff, at his then-cafe, The Sidewalk, in North Pasadena, that the idea of Sailor's Brew began to take shape. From making cold brew coffee for friends and family in the early days, Trayvon has expanded his offerings to several different coffee roasts, opened up a warehouse location on Lincoln Avenue, and also teaches brewing courses so that customers can get the most out of their coffee experience. I really enjoyed this conversation. Maybe coming from a family business background myself, I love how Trayvon has used his passion to create a business that he can share with his brothers and sisters. He has a quiet intensity, and this trait not only made him an excellent paratrooper, but also a focused business owner that can deliver on his vision. So, without further delay, my conversation with Trayvon Saylor of Saylor's Brew Coffee. Trayvon, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So, to really understand Saylor's Brew, uh, we need to better understand you because it seems like your values and philosophy are so tied to your business. So can you share a little bit more about your background as you were born and raised in the Pasadena, Altadena area? I was you know, born, Pasadena, I was born actually at Huntington Hospital. The majority of my family uh, was kind of split between like Altadena primarily, and then we had some family members also stayed in Pasadena. But uh, you know, I went to all the local schools, went to Edison Elementary School that was in Altadena at the time. Uh, no longer exists. I believe it's a charter school in this place now. I uh, went to Elliott Middle School and then John Muir High School. Spent a lot of time, you know, in the outdoors with family, particularly with my grandparents. 
doing a lot of yard work and really just developed like a good work, work ethic at a young age. Got exposure to outdoors actually gave me a good, I guess, a good balance of life at a young age, appreciating nature. At the same time, growing up in like somewhat kind of like the not so much inner city, if you will, but, you know, that kind of setting. Doing a mirror is kind of rough at times. And but again, it just gave me like a good balance. I appreciate being out in the streets as much as I could appreciate being at like Lake Nascimento fishing or pitching a tent. It was a good and fortunate upbringing that I realized as I've actually grown older. A lot of people, even in this area, uh, weren't exposed to as kids and probably still haven't been exposed to as adults, which I think is uh, much needed. And they actually builds a lot of character. Spent a lot of time with my mom. Probably a lot of highlights as a kid. You know, I was kind of like her uh, right hand, if you will, when she was working. Sometimes I go to jobs with her, take a lot of trips, did a lot of things. So definitely had a a good childhood to that regard. Very fortunate. Your family appears to be incredibly important to you. As you grew up up with your mom and your grandparents in Altadena, who are some of the biggest influences in, in your life and what lessons still resonate with you all these years later? Uh, probably going back again to the, you know, my mom, grandparents, you know, even my, my pops, you know, my stepdad, through all of them, you know, you probably heard the same quote, you know, takes a village. You know, I picked up different traits that actually kind of also crossed over from all three of them, or actually all four, to include my grandmother. You know, again, from, you know, hard work, discipline, actually kind of got my business side, you know, from my stepdad. He instilled that at a young age, you know, about second, third grade when I was selling calculators to classmates at Edison. That, that was uh, my initial, you know, exposure to being an entrepreneur, you know, and getting my hands kind of in the field. So, you know, that, that was fun and unique. And then, you know, I had different endeavors with him, you know, business-wise and just structure-wise because he was also in the military. He was a ranger in the Army back in the day. So, you know, growing up, once we did, you know, get our own house, growing up in that household, you know, you can only imagine there's a lot of structure, a lot of discipline, things that have to be uh, dressed right dress and, you know, no dirty dishes in the sink, no oranges in the front yard. And I remember we had like three or four orange trees and the winds would come through and blow. Like that was like the worst days for me because like terrified if he got home and it was like a single orange in the lawn, like that's my ass. So it was good. Like again, it built character. Um, so I couldn't appoint it to any particular person because, like, my mom, you know, I gained a lot of strength, resilience. Uh, my grandparents, the same thing. Um, I think my hunger and thirst for knowledge and wanting to, like, learn more about many different things, I got from my grandfather because he's like a walking encyclopedia. He didn't go to college. Actually, excuse me, he, I think he took a couple courses in college, but, like, he didn't pursue college. Is what you more so call, like, a blue collar, worked his way up. Um, in the Texaco Corporation and went from, you know, ground level to actually being a plant manager down there in Long Beach once they got bought out by Shell. But again, self-educated, we could ask him probably about any current issue, past issue, things about animals, politics, medicine, you name it, he's going to know something about it, which is, you know, crazy to me. But, you know, I get that thirst for hunger and, you know, want to explore Life And as he puts it, you know, he likes to learn about a lot of different things. So he looks at life like a puzzle, you know, learn a little bit about this. That's another piece. Learn some stuff over here. That's another piece and try to put this puzzle of life together, make it all make sense and figure out exactly, you know, what we're doing and what's going on. Definitely. I'll take that from him. 
Yeah, yeah, I just can't pinpoint one particular person. Like my family as a whole has contributed to everything I am today, from my successes to my character to where I carry myself to my ambition. My mom and my grandmother both worked for Eaton Aerospace, and my grandmother was one of the first women and black women to be hired. You know, at her job, and you know, she worked her way up. My mom even surpassed my grandmother as she worked herself through the ranks, and a lot of inspiration around me. They're very fortunate for that. Not to say we didn't have, you know, our difficulties and hiccups and, you know, go through a lot of stuff that life presents you with. But I got a lot of grounding and a lot of my uh, foundation from the people that I had in my immediate family. Oh, thank you for sharing that. From what I understand, uh, Sailor's Brew started when you were making cold brew that you would give out to family and friends. And in 2018, you and your brothers, Tavon and Travis, launched Sailor's Brew as a side project with just coffee and a website. What pushed you to start the business and why was it so important to include your brothers? Yeah, so going back to my background, some things I missed. From selling calculators in elementary school kind of naturally progressed into me selling candy in middle school. And then once I had high school, still kind of like selling candy, you know, teachers, classmates, even like some of the school police. And I, by 10th grade year, my sophomore year, I got involved with the Business Entrepreneurship Academy at John Muir High School. You know, so that taught us a lot about business, you know, from business plans to investing, things that the stock market had to offer, you know, from your typical stocks, bonds, mutual funds to, you know, indexes, future contracts, et cetera. I even partook in a uh, regional stock market game for utilizing the fictitious money with actual real-time data. Uh, so that was fun. And taking a step further, a buddy of mine, Clarence Carr, is also in the same academy. But the two of us contracted in and out at the time. They were bringing a trailer to our high school campus, playing in the teacher's parking lot. And what we did, we got pre-sale tickets made. So the only way you could purchase a meal was with a pre-sale ticket. Even like same day, they did not accept cash because we already paid them out. You had to buy a pre-sale ticket. So we were, you know, selling pre-sale tickets. You know, typical meal like in and out you could get for like, five, six bucks, right? You know, we were selling these for our minimum, like, I think like 10 50 to 11 for like the basic meal, you know, up to like 12 13 bucks. you know, because we had to cover our overhead, which was paying them off and then also make a profit. Business has been a part of me since, going back since elementary school. So going back to 2018, once I was, you know, conversing with a, a friend of mine, uh, Kip Roloff on a cafe on the border of Pasadena and Altadena, when I was working as a cop, I stopped by for a shift, sometimes during shift or even like off days. We converse, I pick his brain, like how we got involved in coffee, like all things like, you know, what made you choose coffee? And the more we talked about it, you know, he expanded my knowledge on how vast the industry was. And, you know, as you can imagine, the bigger something is, the more opportunities there are. So naturally, started buying coffee from him. And that's when I started to play around with the cold brews, like you mentioned. Uh, once family and friends did decide that, they, hey, I had a good racial, you know, and I was good with it. And I was, I was left with that question. When do you pursue this and branch off and try to make something out of it? And two, if you do that, are you going to do a standalone, you know, coffee, a standalone cold brew company? Or are we doing like an all-encompassing coffee brand and just incorporate cold brew? So uh, literally I just took a notepad, pencil, start drafting things out. And once I had like a pretty set foundation of, you know, what I want the brand to be, what it's going to stand for and the possibilities for it. Uh, that's when I brought in my brothers, Tevin and Travis. 
actually, even before I brought it or pitched it to them, I actually took a trip to Columbia with uh, two buddies of mine from work. And we spent about just about three weeks down there. You know, it was like some vacay, but also got to some business, talked to some coffee professionals down there and got exposed even more so to like the coffee industry, at least from that level. So it was when I got back in July, because I took that trip in June, and I got back in July. Uh, that's when I brought it to the table with my two younger brothers, and uh, we decided, yeah, we could probably, probably do this. So I spearheaded it, and I really wanted to involve them because we wanted to work on our personal relationships. You know, we didn't grow up in the same house. You know, I grew up with my mom, grandparents, uh, my stepdad, and then they grew up with my dad and their mom. So it would, one... Actually, took care of three things. One, I wanted to always start a family business, you know, leave a legacy. Two, it was a bonding opportunity, you know, for me to create something, get my younger brothers involved. And three, also get to interact with them on a more intimate level as far as like teaching, you know, is to be able to learn something that you're passionate about for me is business and be able to teach someone what you do, you know. Like if you want to teach someone like your kids, probably, you know, run a podcast, I'm pretty sure you'd be enthusiastic about that and like to passed along to them so they could, you know, do what they do with it and, you know, put their own twist into it. So I kind of looked at it from that sense. You know, I don't have kids yet, but it was a way for me to, you know, get some of my younger siblings involved with something I was passionate about and teach them things I've learned to date as well as continually teach them. And it's also testing me as a leader, you know, testing me as, you know, a business owner, testing me even as, you know, older brother, you know, trying to, you know, do the best I can and lead us in the right direction. And actually, uh, since then, I've actually brought in my two younger sisters as well, and they've been helping out with the business as well. So I'm slowly bringing that to vision or fruition, that vision of having a family-owned business and, you know, something that we can not just be proud of, but we actually can have something that we can actually live in, you know, where we're generating enough income and we're making this thing big enough where we can work in it, we can live in it, and we can actually bring other people on board as well. Well, that's really commendable. I'm uh, my grandfather started our family business, and I work with my father and and uh, my cousin and my uncle. So I know the the value of of working with family. There's some challenges that are very unique to working with family, but um, I think that the spirit that you have and the vision that you have is really commendable. And I'm glad that you're, you're doing it. There are a lot of specialty coffee companies and roasters in Los Angeles. What do you think makes Sailor's Brew different than those? Starts with, you know, the most important commodity that any business can have, which is the people. Only I could do what I could do, same thing with my siblings. So what we bring to the table is ourselves. You know, we're not just pushing coffee because, like you said, there's a probably a million other different specialty coffee brands. You could type in on Google specialty coffee. You'll be overloaded with how many different options you have, right? So what makes us different is, you know, what we're pouring into the business. You know, my whole thing behind Sailor's Brew Coffee, the ethos of the brand was positive life motivation, you know, getting people going to, into the direction of their goals, despite, you know, what obstacles that you're going to face, because you're all going to face obstacles, you're going to face challenges, and taking that and blending it with the nautical theme of the ocean representing life, because just like life, you know, the ocean can be calm. You know, you can have some small ways, big ways. You can have storms, sunny days, you know, everything in between. And that That's a, a direct reflection of life as I look at it. And then, you know, a ship, a vessel being yourself. 
And just like a ship or a vessel, you're going to move one direction at a time and gain the most ground, right? So just instilling that into our brand so we can still that into our customers and people to actually vibe with us. You know, whether you drink coffee or not, this is something that, you know, I want to push out that people could actually resonate with. And you never know, you know, something that might not be as big to you, you know, motivation or inspirational-wise may mean a lot to someone else. You know, some kind words, words of encouragement to get them over that hump that they might have been facing or might help them get rid of some self-doubt that they had so they could actually, you know, pursue what it is that they want to pursue. So that, that's what makes us different. I don't see any other coffee brands, to my knowledge, that are instilling the same thing that we're instilling to our brand, you know, and pushing that out. So that, that's what makes us stand out. You know, we're just we're more than just coffee. You know, it's what we're actually trying to implement into the brand and uh, really just, you know, touch people at the core. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on was I started following you on Instagram and on one Friday, this is probably months ago, you know, you posted a, mes- a video message, which is the weekend's coming up, stay positive, find something to do for yourself. It was a very positive message. And it was something that like I didn't expect from a coffee roaster. Um, and so I thought that was really cool and really unique. And that was one of the reasons why I was so attracted to, to you. And I'm, I'm so glad that you agreed to come on. You know, when, when many people think of the perfect cup of coffee, you know, they think of the coffee bean, but also the milk and the sugar that goes with it. You know, however, you believe that Sailor's Brew is best enjoyed black. Now, it might be because you come from a military and police background where there's only black coffee available. <laughs> For you, in your opinion, what makes a perfect cup of coffee and how should someone prepare Sailor's Brew to get the most out of it? Like what type of brewing process? It's an interesting question because there's a lot of personal influence with that, with that answer. When I look at coffee, you know, I compare it to like the wine industry. You know, when you're pouring a glass of wine, you're not adding some sugar to it to try to, you know, alter the taste or make it sweeter. If you're, you know, drinking like a cab, that might be a little bit more dry than what you may like, right? You you know, you're tasting that wine for what it is. And that's kind of how I approach coffee and how, you know, I encourage other people to approach coffee with that same type of light. By drinking the black, you get to appreciate all the efforts that went to cultivating it the efforts that went into roasting it, and then the efforts that went to brewing it, whether those are your own efforts or a barista or, you know, whomever it is that made the coffee for you. Perfect cup for me. Uh, I'm a fan of espressos because I like that natural crema. And you also get a good taste of the actual coffee itself. Aside from that, Hotter V60 pour over is also very nice because you actually could taste a lot of the natural fruit notes of the coffees. I'm more, for, more so of a fan of like the light and medium roast. I recommend if someone is trying Sailor's coffee for the first time, our North Star is our medium roast. That's the Ethiopian Yogurt Chefe. And you will get a nice balance of caffeine and, you know, actual coffee taste. When I say coffee taste, not so much the uh, roasted coffee taste that we're kind of accustomed to in America, but the actual coffee bean itself. So you'll get some of the characteristics of the berry, you know, some of the citrus notes on that one, maybe a little bit of lime, I mean, excuse me, lemon. Um, it also has like a whiny type taste to it, a light body, similar to the tea, not so heavy in a mouthful. That's what I recommend, doing that as a pour over. But again, also trying it as an espresso and compare the two. Because uh, one thing that's interesting about coffee, you could take the same exact coffee, 
prepare it three different ways, you will get three different tastes. Even if you're tasting the same notes, those notes are going to interact with your taste buds in a different order. So, you know, so like a pour over, you may taste the, the lemon. Uh, when we're talking about the North Star that we carry. Your chef, you may taste that and express it on the back end. Or if you do, as a pour over, you might taste it on the front or vice versa. You're really playing chemistry. And that's what I really love about coffee. And that's really about the perfect cup. It's really about finding what's perfect for you. But if that's more strength, do you like something lighter? Do you like actually the fruity notes in coffee? Or do you more so like more toasty notes from like a darker roast or medium dark roast. So again, I recommend people start in the middle and then go from there. If you like that, stay there. Or if you want to go towards the dark side or the lighter or type roast, you know, just play around and have fun with it. I think that's a perfect segue to my next question, which is, you know, you currently offer several different coffees that have different textures. Like you said, different styles, different flavor profiles. You have the crow's nest, the North star, uh, Mariner's Compass and Jamaica Blue Mountain. You know what makes each of these different coffees unique? Do you think? Uh, one are different regions, and one could probably argue that you know Ethiopian coffees uh, have a similar. If you look at like the taste profile, they're probably like in the same spectrum. They're they're kind of close, but they're different. For instance, the uh, Mariner's Compass has a light lot of more citrus notes. Lime, even like uh, some berry, like taste notes of blackberry, uh, which differs from the yoga chefe and the sadamo. But it also goes into like how you're roasting it. You know, the sadamo, since the way you roast it, you're getting more of the chocolate type notes, the deeper toasted notes on that. A little bit of berry, uh, but not so much. And again, like with the yoga chefe, you're getting like some berries, some citrus, a little bit of whiny notes. And again, your taste buds might pick up something completely different. But again, that, that's the thing about coffee. And the Jamaica Blue Mountain, you know, it's a rare type coffee. You know, it's kind of like a top shelf, if you will. The prestige of that alone sets it apart. It's not common. You're not going to go to any cafe and find Jamaica Blue Mountain as easily as you would if you just went for like a Columbia Supremo bean that you could find, you know, more commonly. Even even more so, it has a natural sweetness to it. It's also slightly kind of creamy, at least in my experience with the uh, estate that we work with. Again, it's just the, the beans themselves are different, and then the way we roast them, we try to highlight the different characteristics that we actually like and enjoy, and come turn out that a lot of other people actually like those same things as well. What's the process like in terms of, you said you work with estates, so you're actually working with the growers? Yeah, so... In Ethiopia, it's a little different. Probably find this common in a lot of African countries actually grow coffee. Like an individual farmer, nine times out of 10, isn't going to have a lot big enough to just go ahead and sell off. Like they might only cultivate maybe like 20, 30 pounds for that harvest or whatever. They bring it to a, a co op. And with the co-op, you know, it's pulling resources together. So they're pulling, you know, from the farmers in a particular region, bring it together their crops. And then through that, they're actually able to pull resources together to have washing stations and fetch better prices and, and things of that sort. Uh, we have been able to, thankfully, through a cousin of mine, actually made a direct connection with a young lady who's Ethiopian, uh, went to school at Howard, Howard University. 
and her family actually owns and operates a coffee farm in Ethiopia. And they, they've owned that for about 30 years. So uh, once we get our cafe operations going, which we have an espresso cart en route that hopefully should be up within the next month or so, we're definitely going to be working directly with them to bring their coffee to our espresso cart and then in the future to our cafes. So that's the Ethiopian scene in Jamaica. Country itself, the government, they have an entity that regulates the exportation of Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee. So there's only X amount of exporters of authentic Jamaica Blue. When I first started, I did my due diligence, went through numerous websites, making phone calls, sent out emails, and actually made the connection uh, with one of the owners of the Flamstad Estate. And through there, I was actually put in point of contact, put in contact with their point of contact out here in California. So I worked directly with them in regards to getting our coffee shipped from the estate, you know, through the annexes and then to our warehouse. I'm a consumer of coffee, but I know very little about the supply chain and how it comes all the way from the field to your cup of coffee in the morning or whenever you drink, you drink it. So thank you for, for that. That's the thing too, like different countries, some countries like particularly like South America where they have bigger farms. There's a lot of more, you know, independent farms are actually able to like either work directly with the importer you know, and get fair prices or even just skip that and go straight to like a cafe, you know, or like a coffee brand. So definitely as we continue to expand and get more resources ourselves, we plan to start making trips to actually make these direct connections and try to work as closely as we can with the actual farmers from the regions that we're pulling coffee from. You have an online store. You now offer classes on different coffees and home brewing. And you've talked about how you're going to have a coffee cart as well as you've talked about it in different articles, but you, you mentioned it here that you're thinking about opening your own cafe. How do you define success? And when you think about the next year or the next five years of Sailor's Brew, what's your vision for the company? Uh, success to me is the kind of, are you familiar with Earl Nightingale? So I, I kind of adopted his uh, definition of su- success because I think it makes the most sense. Because uh, I think a lot of times, especially in today's times, most people automatically associate success with amount of money, particularly social status. But uh, his definition, and correct me if I'm wrong, is something along the lines of the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, which I replace ideal with goal. Well, if you're actively working towards a worthy goal, you know, working towards your dreams and you're actually meeting those milestones and gaining traction and reaching it day by day, that's, that's success. If you decided, like with myself, I decided, hey, I want to do, I want to start a coffee company and make this a family business. I was successful in starting that, opening it up, getting it running. Now the milestones I have between, all right, now it's open, now what are the next goals, whether that's revenue-wise, whether that's, you know, how many people we could actually touch or inspire or whatever the case is, marching down that path towards those goals, that, that's my definition of being successful and actually hitting those milestones. Uh, so for me, it's not, a, you know, again, it's not a question of money. It's more so of doing what you say that you want to do and pursuing that. Said so what I see Sailor's Brew being about, you know, three to five years from now. Definitely five years from now, I could see us having, well, I want to put an exact number on it, but let's say more than two cafes easily, as well as, uh, you know, expanding on 
our warehouse operations because I think we're in a very unique space where you know we have a warehouse where we do distribution. Uh, that same warehouse, I'm actually working on getting the storefront opened up so we can sell everything in person that we actually host online in addition to our cold brews. And then get also out of that same warehouse is where we actually do the brew courses. So it's like a nice coffee hub. And actually, once we have the espresso cart, once that reaches us, then we're going to have that out front as well. So you really have like four operations in one location. So if I could also replicate that in, you know, key areas around the states, you know, where someone could come and get a cup of coffee. Or if you want to learn more about coffee, you can come to that same spot and, you know, get some coffee education, i.e. take a brew class, uh, learn different brew methods, and just learn about coffee in general. And at the same time, that same location is also doing local deliveries, you know, also shipping out to that particular region of the country. Like, that's where my vision's at, as well as having, you know, numerous people with our app that are getting the daily notifications for the motivation, you know, getting the quotes sent to them so they're waking up, getting some motivation, you know, walking to their kitchen, hopefully grabbing a cup of Sailor's Brew. But if they're, drink, they're drinking something else, you know, no, not to them. But the biggest thing is people actually consuming and being bonded with their content, which, again, is, you know, pushing out our motivation. Uh, the app is done. There's just minor tweaks that I'm doing right now because I want it to be as perfect as possible. I'm a Virgo, so I'm naturally I'm a perfectionist. You know, it can be good or bad, but, you know, that, that's where I see us, you know, plenty of people consuming our app, which is it's free, and just slowly branching out, you know, across the states. So you're developing a coffee cart. What's going to be available on it? And where are you thinking about having it? Uh, so I plan to deploy it like in front of our warehouse, like utilizing like the sidewalk space and or the parking lot. And basically it's going to be like a mobile cafe, if you will, you know, minus like the, the seating and whatnot, but you'll have full service from espresso drinks, you know, espresso shots, espresso based drinks, to pour overs. It's going to be pretty nice as uh, the, what do you call it? Has solar panels on top. Actually, it's like a little covering. You know, it's has an electric wheel with like a steering handle, so it's easy to like navigate and maneuver, especially like through crowds. If you take it to events, you know, built-in hand sink has a mini refrigerator. So this thing's decked out. It has some like LED lighting. Yeah, this is not like an ice cream cart. I mean, this is like a, it's like a full service coffee setup. Yes, indeed. So that's what I'm excited about it. So we get to, um, you know, further test our hand about uh, serving coffee. You know, now from going from like the package to actually brewed coffee, you know. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And then we also use that for catering events as well. So looking forward to, you know, just connect on more people and bring in, you know, my version of coffee, which is like the purest way of drinking coffee, if you will, to more people. Now, we still offer like the sugar, creamer and stuff like that, but I'm really pushing hard for people just to, you know, at least the first couple of sips, try it for what it's worth. And you decide, hey, you know, you still want to add something to it by all means, which, you know, to date, I've had numerous people tell me that they've never drank or never been able to enjoy a cup of black coffee. But when they drink our coffee, they actually could enjoy it. 
And even if they do go back and add something to it, it's much less than what they're accustomed to adding, which at the end of the day is better for your health, if anything. So, well, I think black coffee has such a bad rap. You know, when we think of black coffee, we think of stuff that comes out of powder. Just in my own office, for years we had you know, powdered coffee and I wouldn't drink it because it's like, there's no, if I'm going to drink coffee, I'm not going to drink powdered coffee. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> So uh, because of that, you know, I think it's it's trying to change people's understanding of coffee. And I think the positive side of like Starbucks and all that stuff was that people got accustomed to better quality coffee. But then people got accustomed, like you said, to uh, putting a ton of stuff in their coffee. And that really takes away from the flavor itself of the bean. So it's kind of a, you're reeducating, you're reintroducing coffee to them on a whole nother, in a whole nother way. Oh, yes, indeed. And that's why I was excited to do like the brewing courses, right? Because actually it's like you're learning how to brew coffee, but it's also like a coffee tasting at the same time because I'm having people cleanse their palate. You know, you're trying the different coffees that we have. You're comparing them. I'm asking you more so like, what are you tasting? What's your experience right now with this particular brew method, with this particular bean? And like the last one I did, the gentleman actually... Through going through the course, he realized, one, that he enjoys light roast or everything else, and it's because he's actually tasting the fruitiness in those notes, and that's what he really appreciates the most about the coffee. Not so much the tastier, you know, dark roast or even like the medium roast, for instance, but that really gave him like an aha, like, okay, this is what I like, and this is why I like it, because we did a good job about, about breaking down, you know, what he was experiencing. So it was good, and it made me feel good that hey, I actually know what I'm talking about, I know what I'm doing, you know. And, you know, he had a good experience. He actually brought his wife, so she sat in on it as well. So it was it was nice. We're so accustomed to grabbing coffee from a store and right rushing out, going to wherever else we're going. We don't take the time if we don't have it, we don't take the time to sit down and actually enjoy it. And so I think that you kind of talking through what you're drinking is so important because you understand, like you said, what you like and why you like it. You know, why do you like light versus dark? And and then by explaining kind of the history behind the coffee beans, people really understand better about their own flavor preferences that they never really understood before. Correct. Absolutely right. I mean, what type of coffee do you like drinking, like especially coffee-wise? Like, are you more so like into like the lighter roast? Are you somewhere in between? I'm more into lighter roasts now as I get older. Um, I think I was into heavier kind of espresso, darker roasts when I was younger. But now that I'm getting older, I'm drinking a lot more tea, which is sacrilegious, but I'm drinking a lot more tea and uh, and lighter roast coffee just because it's just that's just how my body operates and it takes it. But, but yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to you more about it you know, and understand kind of how the light roast is, is different than the, the medium and dark and kind of so I can better understand why I like the things I like. Yeah, cool. Because easiest way to explain it. So like, you know, the coffee is a fruit, the coffee tree, you know, and so the coffee beans are the seeds. So depending one on the actual coffee itself, you know, you'll get different characteristics of that particular um, bean, if you will. But even more so is some of the methods, like if it's a wash method or you're doing like a fermentation on it. So like one of the coffees that we carry for our flagship selection, it's a Shinte Wene, it's Ethiopian, but they do a 24 hour airtight 
fermentation process called carbonic maceration. And so like inside that container, it's just creating like this nice, like wild jam like environment. And then once they extract it, they let the cherries just do like a two to three weeks slow drying process in the shade. So then once they do actually pull out those coffee seeds, it's packed with so much like fruity flavor that doing that as a dark roast, like you should slap yourself because you're like doing yourself a disservice because you're not about to even be able to taste like the awesomeness that they've created in this coffee. So like the light roast, you're going to taste exactly what you're meant to taste, like the fruitiness of it, the, you know, um, the special characteristics of that coffee. Medium, you're still going to get that, but it's going to be more mass. And then you're going to tap in more so like the toasty. That's why like a lot of the coffees, once you start to get to like that medium to like dark, you start getting the chocolate and the uh, the caramel type notes. But that's not quote unquote natural to the coffee because those are more so the sugars being cooked while it's roasting. So that's where you're tasting that, you know, that, that chemical reaction. Definitely true coffee experience, you know, from the fruitiness level and how that coffee should was probably like, for instance, they're doing the fermentation. How they probably had it in their mind, like, I want this to taste a particular way or I want to highlight this. Light roast is the way to go. Like, you know, if it's more traditional, I like the toastiness, you know, the caramel or that, you know, American coffee taste, then medium to dark for sure. And then you do get some some medium roast that you're still getting like a lot of the coffee characteristics are still like coming through. But, you know, for the most part, light roast is where you need to lean towards, like with your taste buds, like you're saying you like the light roast because you you know, appreciate the coffee more so. And that's kind of like where I'm at now too. Like this lighter medium and I'm kind of expanding more so into the light roast. And also if you're a caffeine junkie, you want to be on the light roast side, more caffeine. So when you open up your cafe, how do you want it to be different than other places? And what locations are you thinking about opening them? First and foremost, definitely need one in Pasadena, Altadena area. That, that's our roots. That's where we started. And that's my backyard. So naturally, that, that has to be the first location or flagship store. And then other locations, you see where the wind blows. But, you know, definitely need something in the Midwest, in the South, East Coast, Northeast. You know, if I could just get one in each region or several in each region, that, that would be good. You know, because we can have a presence and get more people involved with our brand. And then we can actually start doing other things that I have under wraps that I would like to uh, bring about. But we're just not at that place just yet. No, it starts at home, as always. Oh, yes, indeed. And then we go from there. You took a risk in creating Sailor's Brew in 2018, and it's not easy to launch a business. Do you think we do enough to encourage people to start new businesses here in Pasadena? I would say no, because we could always do more, no matter how much we're doing. And I think that's with anything across the board. But then again, I haven't gone back to Mir in a while, but if they still had a business entrepreneurship academy, you know, that's great. And that's something I think that actually probably should be incorporated, maybe, you know, school district wide, 
where they should have that type of academy, especially as we look at, you know, more recent times, a lot more people are looking if they're not stepping out fully to work for themselves or start a business, you know, to have something on the side, start a side gig or, you know, side hustle, some of people might call it. And just also just understanding the business basics actually transfers over to your personal life, you know, understanding finances, you know, how to set budgets and whatnot, you know, both of those cross over. So, yeah, I don't think we're doing enough, but that could be said about probably the entire nation. I don't think we do enough. We're pushing, you know, people to have their own businesses and pour a little bit of them or a lot of bit of them into something that they're passionate about or something that just might be interesting. They might not be overly passionate about it, but they might have some interest and, you know, putting themselves into that interest may, you know, do a lot of good or who knows. But, uh, you know, it definitely is risky. And I think that's the thing that kind of holds a lot of people back is, you know, taking that risk, financial risk, or it's time consuming. It's uncertainty, which at the end of the day, there's uncertainty whether you have a nine to five or you're doing your own business. But most people don't really look at working a nine to five as being risky. It is at the end of the day. Yeah, I think we could do a little bit more to kind of just plant those seeds, especially to the, in the youth, plant those seeds that it's possible, it's very doable. You know, you just have to, one, make a plan and constantly massage that plan and have the discipline and the faith in, you know, your plan and make it work. All it means if it fails, then make a new plan and <laughs> go do something else. We need to get more kids selling calculators is what we need. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've built your life around service. Uh, you enlisted in the Army were deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan and then came home to protect your own community as a police officer. What does service mean to you and how does that influence the decisions you make as a business owner? When I was younger and I first enlisted, I think I was like most, you know, teenagers, early adults, like I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what I was doing, but at the same time, I really didn't. I kind of just fell into it and I just went all in. When I play hindsight 2020 and I actually look back and how that actually progressed into transitioning to like doing the policing thing, it gave me a sense of pride. Something I was actually against at first when a, a mentor of mine told me, I want you to apply, you know, pass the PD. I'm like, you're crazy. Like I, I grew up out there. I'm from there. Like I'm not about to be a cop in my own town. Like that's, no, you're nuts. But it turned out to actually be a blessing because I got to really, you know, interact with People that if they didn't directly know me, they knew my family. Somehow we were connected, you know, whether it was one or two people or might just be one person, there's people I directly knew, you know, from growing up or whatnot. And it, it takes someone being from the area that you're patrolling to fully understand that area, understand the people, because each city, each neighborhood, everything's different. You know, there's a lot of similarities, but there's certain things that happen or certain things that um, just the way things move about. Right. The, the politics, if you will, outside of the city hall, but the actual politics in the streets uh, and everything. Like You won't really deeply understand that unless you spend like a decade there working it and you still might not understand it or you actually live there. But going back you know, to your question, what does service mean? Like at the end of the day, we're all here to service each other. You know, the type of service that you elect to do is dependent upon yourself. It just so happened again, I fell into the... I guess the physical protection type services, you know, military, policing. So I think I've done enough of that. So, you know, my focus now is 
how can I serve people now in a different light, which is not just providing like premium coffee, some good tasting coffee, but trying to instill motivation and get people, you know, getting on the right path and get them to pursue and go after their dreams. Because think if more people actually stepped out on faith and focused on what they wanted to do and kind of put the fear to the side of, well, I might not make it or whatever the case is. They really just focused on what it is they really wanted to do. You know, block out all the extra noise, block out the people that are telling you you should probably do X, Y, and Z, and just listen to their intuition. I think there'd be a lot less depression. I think a lot more people would be, you know, happier with themselves, happier with their lives. Even if they're not making a million dollars a year, you're doing exactly what you want to do. That's what I'm about. I'm trying to get people to really understand and really realize and not just that, but go for it. So services, everything, you know, that's me taking a look at service from like a higher level, but all the way down to like, once we do have our, our cafes or even at the warehouse now, like we try to make sure that we're getting orders out in a timely manner, you know, that we're providing as fresh coffee as possible. That interactions that I do have with people that either stop by the warehouse or I meet them at an event and we're talking about business, we're talking about, you know, how they like their coffee or whatever. I, I try to put as much as I can into that particular conversation or interaction, if you will. Again, just providing as much service as I can to that person or whatever it is that I'm doing, like going beyond what the actual task may be. And that's something I learned, you know, being a ranger in the army, you know, it's hundred percent and then some, or not just, you know, we're just going to do the bare minimum and scrape by Nah, that's that's not how you get things done. Like, yeah, you may check the box, but we're not here to just check boxes. You know, we're here to actually make a difference. And in the day, you don't want to just sit on your porch when you're 70, 80 years old, God willing, and think back and you don't really have much to really be proud of, much to really smile about. You just kind of, you know, took the sluggish route through life, you know? So we're not here for that. Human beings have way too much you know, energy, too much spirit to, you know, be lackadaisical, especially when it comes to service. And it's, I think a lot of people don't really realize how important it is to really understand that service is what makes everything really go go around. No matter if you're looking at from big business down to small business, everything is about servitude. As we uh, wind down our conversation, and I could talk to you for a lot longer, but uh, we all are constrained by time. Uh, but I have two final questions. Um, one is positivity is so important to you. Uh, it's important to Sailor's Brew, but also you as a person. You know, how personally do you stay so positive? Well, this is my biggest secret. And this is what I tell all my siblings, I tell my friends, don't stress the things you can't control. So that's for automatically eliminate like 90% of things out of your life that's going to cause a lot of stress. And from there, I focus on the end goal. You know, not so much, you know, if it's raining today or if it's gloomy or cloudy, I'm not really focused on that. I'm focused on where I want to be at down the road, whether that's on the beach, sipping some rum, or, you know, if I'm out with, want to be out with family on a camping trip or whatever, whatever the end goal is. That's what I stay focused on. And at the end of the day, life is hard. Everybody understands that. Um, some more than most. 
definitely challenging. There's going to be a lot of times of self-doubt, uh, a lot of times where the pressure just, you know, day-to-day living may feel like it's like trying to just crush you, right? So obviously, I'm not a big uh, religious person. I'm very spiritual. You're here for a reason, you know? So if anything, at the bare minimum, you should be ecstatic about pursuing your purpose and trying to figure that out. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm pretty sure it's not to just sit on the couch all day, play video games, watch movies, which I would love to do, but it's more 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 to it than that, right? It's not to let, you know, one obstacle, one bad day or a bad month or even a bad, you know, just make you say, fuck it. And excuse my language, but, you know, make you just, you know, throw everything away and just, I quit. Like, no, nah, there's way more to it. And also, too, staying grounded. Like, I love nature. I think it's something about nature that, you know, recharges people. Whether it's simply if you just go in your backyard, look at the sky, look at the trees, if you got trees around and just, you know, breathe it in. Or if you need to go for a walk or go for a hike, like, we're so blessed out here in Southern California to have so many trails and lakes, you know, and national parks, you know, at our disposal that I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't take advantage of, you know, especially in Pasadena, when they had the Huntington Library, which doesn't cost that much. You got the Scano Gardens, the Auditorium, and right there in Arcadia, you know, you got all the trails leading you up there towards uh, Mount Wilson, the JPO trails, like... It's a lot of things you can do to like get in touch with nature and just be outside and just disconnect from all the craziness from like technology and all the stuff on social media, the news. Um, and that's probably also what I do too. I try to limit my exposure to, you know, all the media because it can be overwhelming. You know, you can easily find yourself going from, you know, one crazy or bad story to the next to the next and you know, now you're down this rabbit hole just full of, like, depressing craziness. Like, nah. Yes, it is good to stay, you know, vigilant, stay aware of, like, what's going on, current issues, but you don't need to overly consume that because it will start to eat away at your own energy and make you uh, feel a certain type of way and put you in a place that you really don't want to be in. You know, so definitely how to protect your own energy to that regard. But... In the day, man, I'm just I'm happy to be alive. I've been through a lot of things, just like most people. But I'm I'm just happy to be here. Happy to have a chance at actually pursuing my goals. Happy to have some clarity on what my goals are. And I think um, that too um, probably plays a big part of it. Actually, you know, knowing what you want out of life, you know, making a plan for it, and that gives you something to live for, you know. Something to actively pursue, put your energy towards. If you have family and kids, that's something else to look forward to and put energy towards. So there's a lot of things in life. I think the good definitely outweighs the bad. We just have to constantly shift our perspective on things. Um, a lot of times, you know, bad things aren't as big as they are. And even the big things that are bad, try to find one good thing out of it. You know, if you can focus on the good in every situation, that's got to me through a lot of things. And I think that can help a lot of other people as well. You know, I don't care if that good is a point zero 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 one percent out of that hundred. But if you could just get tunnel vision on that, 
that, that keep you in a good space. As the legend goes, you started drinking coffee when you were 12 years old. You would pick up coffee from the liquor store at Lincoln Avenue and Altadena Drive. So when you think back on that 12-year-old boy, what is one thing, some advice or lesson that you'd want to share with him knowing what you know now? That's a deep question. Uh, there, there's a lot of different ways you could go with that. It would probably be to live a little more. And by that, I mean, you know, not be, uh, you know, apprehensive to try some newer experiences, like at a younger age. And which I, I tried, I did a lot of different things, but everything kind of took place in like more of a localized area, you know, with exception like family trips and whatnot. Actually, I'm not sure if it even be that. It's not an easy question. It's not. You know, see, the business side of me wants to kick in. So, yeah, honestly, it'd be to take what I learned from sophomore year in the business academy through senior year seriously. Because I actually had a teacher who actually uh, taught us, like, all the stock stuff. Um, I actually still have a folder about, like, this big. Every assignment, uh, like, classwork, the test, everything, still there. And... He told me, this might have been my junior year, it's back when on Lake Lake on Walnut, there was a TD, I think it was Ameritrade, was in that building on that northeast corner. And he told me, like, he actually gave me the, pla- the little pamphlet. Like, he was like, fill this out, go open it up account. And I'm like, uh, all right. Didn't do it, right? So it had been definitely that, to take business and – as they say, once you learn something, apply it as fast as you can, right? Definitely been that. As, as I started to actually learn more about actual business and investing, to take that serious and actually put, you know, those things I learned, those lessons into action. Because I can only imagine, actually talking, that was like, what, like 2007, 2006, if I would have been dumping money, all the money I was making to like Apple stock or you know, some of these other companies that probably been in a nice little spot right now. Oh, I think it's a good, good place to end. You've come a long way from drinking coffee at a liquor store. And thank you very much for being such a great part of Pasadena. Thank you for coming back here after your service and uh, for your continued service to our community. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. Again, my many thanks to Trayvon for coming on the show. If you're interested in learning more about Sailor's Brew, please visit them at sailorsbrewcoffee.com and follow them on Instagram. Trayvon mentioned it during our conversation, and I wanted to make sure that I mentioned it here. You can download their free app to purchase their coffee and get a daily cup of positive motivation. On the day when I wrote this closing, the Sailor's Brew motivation of the day was The biggest decision on your journey is figuring out what to do with the time you are given. Make it count. With his family and friends behind Sailor's Brew Coffee, Trayvon is certainly making it count. What really comes through with Trayvon's story and the stories of so many of my other guests is the incredible voyage that they've all taken to get to where they are. None of them are the same and none of them are ordinary. 
Would you have thought your Pilates instructor sailed around the world for eight years? Or the person brewing your cup of coffee was an airborne ranger? These are just two of the many stories of some of my recent guests. Because of this, we need to recognize the magic of each person. So thank you for listening. This podcast is free, but it takes time and effort to produce it. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, please let me know. And if you're a business owner or community leader and you want to share your story, I'd love to learn more about you and have you on the show. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing and rate and review the show as it is a way for others to find it. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Breaker. I love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. You can reach me at james at thecrowncitypodcast.com and follow me on Instagram. You've been listening to the Crown City Podcast. And until next time, please remember to stay well, stay positive, and as always, see you around town. Thank you.